Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Old Testament lesson, the 64th chapter of Isaiah, these words, O Lord, that thou wouldst rend the heavens apart and come down. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Today isn't only the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the new church year, but November 30th is also St. Andrew's Day, the day when millions of Christians around the world pause to remember and to reflect upon and to thank God for the life, the testimony, the witness, the confession of the Lord's disciple whose name was Andrew. Andrew, who was called by many within Christendom the Protocletus, Proto-first, Plato's called, the first called, because Andrew was the first called of the disciples of our Lord, the first called disciple who then went to his brother Peter and confessed to him and testified to him that indeed the Christ had come. Andrew, Andreas in the Greek, it means manly, courageous, a man who would not fear, a man of courage. And while the Gospels don't tell us a great deal about Andrew, church tradition certainly indicates that Andrew was a man who lived up to his name. In fact, it tells us that on this day, November 30th, in the year 60 AD, during the reign of one of the most infamous Roman emperors of all, Andrew was crucified on a cross in the shape of an X to which he was torturously fastened to prolong his suffering. Tradition tells us that there he suffered terribly for two long days during which the crowds of the onlookers gathered about him not to hear from him as one might expect expressions of anger and expressions of, of hatred or revenge from a man who had been unjustly executed and crucified so cruelly. But rather they gathered about Andrew, the man of valor and the man of courage and conviction, who then used his crucifixion to speak of another crucifixion that had happened 30 years prior to his, a crucifixion unlike his that had eternal implications for all of the world. And they heard Andrew in his dying days speaking of his Christ and his Christ crucified. Christ come down to save the world. Andrew, a man of courage, a man of compassion, a man of confession. Not anger, not rage in the face of personal inequities or injustices and its subsequent persecution. This Advent apostle, we might call him, has something to say to our age, doesn't he? Ours has been called uh, the age of rage, the age of anger that manifests itself in a number of ways, an age of careless abandon and indifference to others, where people are in a mad run for personal material gain, a run that literally played itself out this past Friday morning when shoppers at a Walmart in New York City trampled to death a young 34-year-old store employee trying to simply unlock the door. An age of rage playing itself through Two shootings that occur in a store down in Southern California in a Toys R Us. An age of rage with acts of terrorism in cities around the world like Mumbai, India, where over 200 people, six Americans, 
were killed only a couple of days ago by terrorists. An age of rage playing itself out even in the road rage that takes place around us as people use their automobiles and their vehicles as weapons. And there's such abusive relationships in too many of our cities and all too many of our homes. It's an angry era that we live in with too few Andrews ready to get out there amidst that anger and courageously confess their confidence that God comes to save his people not only from the raw manifestations of evil in our world, but also from the effect of sin which, if left unchecked by divine intervention, would indeed from within us destroy us all. We fear so often the evil manifestations outside of us, when all the while that itself which is within us could do us even more harm. An age that is blind, however, to that, an age, therefore, in which the church should, as it always has been doing during the time of Advent each year, welcome a new church year by saying, Come down, O Lord. Come down and save us. Hosanna, as the people cried in the streets of Jerusalem, as we heard in today's gospel, Hosanna, which means save us. Save us, Lord. Save us now. Because we see the perils of the world and we see, indeed, the peril of sin. Come down. Come down as you did, O Lord, when you came down and your holy presence was unmistakably known in the fire and the brimstone that rained upon the immoralities and the injustices of Sodom and Gomorrah. Come down, O Lord, as you did in those days of old when the staff of Moses struck, remember, the waters of the Nile, and they turned red with blood. Come down as you did when that same staff struck the dust of the earth and it turned into gnats that covered the whole face of Egypt. Come down as you did when Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and darkness fell upon the face of the earth. In fact, a darkness, Scripture says, that could literally be felt. Come down as you did, O Lord, when your servant's staff was raised above the waters of the Red Sea and they parted and your people were saved by your word and by water. Come down, O Lord, as you did in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to guide your people, to lead your people, to protect your people. Come down, Lord. Come down as you did when Joshua fought that battle at Jericho and the ark of your holy presence went out before your army and they circled not with arms but rather with trumpets and they blew their trumpets and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Come down as you did when with little more than a single stone in the sling of a little shepherd, you brought down a giant named Goliath and defeated the Philistines. Come down, O Lord. Make things right. Straighten up this messed up world and save us. That was the plaintive cry of God's prophet in our text for today. And if today the Advent apostle is Andrew, most certainly the Advent prophet that we think of today is the prophet Isaiah, that we hear speaking these words in our text when he says, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens and tear them apart and come down, O Lord, that the mountains might then quake at thy presence to make thy name known to thine enemies, that the nations themselves may tremble. Isaiah looking for the Lord to do what he had done in times past, a distant cry from a prophet of God, 700 years 
or so before Christ, the intercessory cry of the prophet Isaiah for Israel's southern kingdom that was called Judah, a people that had become so comfortable with the materialism with which they had lived at that time, with the material securities of the world about them, so indifferent to the world's immoralities, so complacent about their confession of faith that God had, for their good, withdrawn from them. So far from them that he was prepared for their own ultimate good to sit back and to watch them as he did the northern kingdom of Israel when it was invaded and conquered by her enemies, enemies now that were on the verge of marching south to the people of Judah, as swiftly and effectively overcoming them and conquering them as they had the people of the north. But you know what it's like when you start seeing things falling apart around you, then people suddenly have a sense of impending doom, that something's not the way it should be. And often that's exactly what it takes. God withdrawing his protective hedge from people. That's often what it takes, not only nationally, but in our individual lives, in order for the people to pause, to reflect, to repent, and to say in faith, Lord, please come down, not to judge, but rather, Lord, come down to save us. And isn't that exactly what Isaiah is talking about right here when he says, Lord, we've sinned. Shall we be saved? We've become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds even are like filthy rags before you. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind carry us away. There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses within himself anything to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and you have made us melt away in the hands of our own iniquities. The prophet of God crying out for the people of God, interceding for the people of God, who in so many ways had forsaken the God of their fathers. Forgive us, Lord. Come down, please, now to save us. And what can we do in our generation and in our time also but pray the same thing that the Advent prophet so long ago prayed? How easy it is because of the ugly realities of the world around us to get so caught up in them that we forget about our own sin and its own devastating impact really upon us that we overlook that sin within us advent is a season of repentance the color used to be purple reflecting that repentance has changed to blue to emphasize hopeful anticipation of deliverance from repentance but the idea of repentance is still to be there as we prepare to receive the Christ as he comes at Christmas and that's why it's important that we see our sin for what it is. In contrast to what we see about us, the sin within us seems like it's pretty petty stuff. But it's not. It's not at all. It's like that old proverbial dirty spot that you've heard of before in the window of your car and you remember lean way over the hood and you're out there and you're trying to scrub off that dirty spot that's on the outside of your car you're convinced on the outside of the car and you scrub and you scrub and it won't budge but it can't be in the inside because that's not where the dirt is you say to yourself and you keep on rubbing and rubbing but it won't budge and you finally have to admit yes it's in the inside and it's just like that with all of us as well 
We don't want to acknowledge the fact that there's trouble within as well as trouble without, sin within as well as sin without, while praying that God would indeed eventually come down to straighten out our sinfully messed up world. We certainly as Advent people would be crying that God would come to straighten us out too, not only coming to straighten out our marriage or our mortgage or our home or our job or society around us, but we need to be praying that God would first come down to straighten out the sin-caused mess of that smaller world within us. Come down, O Lord, straighten out this mess, the mess within me, And that's our Advent cry, even as it was for the Advent people. Because there are hidden sins that are just as dangerous to the people of God as those that are so evident in the world around us. Hidden sins, those seemingly insignificant secret sins of thought that we have, of word that we speak, of deeds that we quietly, silently do, that aren't okay. In fact, the sins within us, the hidden ones, much more than the sins of the world around us, are the sins which, like the wind, Isaiah says in our reading today, sweep us away. That's why Advent needs to first and foremost be the time for all of God's people to say, Come down, O Lord, come and save me from my sin, my sin within. And to do that, God had to do more than put his staff of might and power in the hands of Moses. That was dealing with the evil around the people of God. He had to do more than send his ark in battle out before as he did with Joshua. To save us from our sin, God had to first become what we are. And he had to become what we are in order that he might bear what we have, namely our sin, that he might become sin for us. And he had to put a a cross on his shoulder instead of a staff of power in his hand, a cross on his shoulder in order to bear in and on that cross the weight of your sins and the weight of my sins and the the weight of the sins of all the world. That's what God had to do to come down for you. And that's why so many missed him when he came. He wasn't what they expected him to be. They wanted a warrior with a sword in his hand instead of a sin-bearer with a cross on his shoulder. And thus he was unrecognized by so many people when he came. He came to his own, St. John says, and his own knew him not. Remember that famous parable about the man in the mountain which was told by the famous 16th century poet John Donne? A man, he says, is climbing a mountain at the top of which he hopes to find God after he goes through effort and exercise to get up there. But by ascending to the heights, this this seeker, Dunn says, expects to leave all of the cares and the sins and the miseries of the world behind him. As he goes higher and higher and higher up, he'll leave all those troubles behind him in the valley below. But while he climbs to escape it all, in order to find God, God is coming down the mountain on the other side into the toil and the sin and the grief of the world. And so, of course, when the man reaches the top, he doesn't find anything. God is not there as he expected him to be. And the man stands there all alone, still exhausted from the toil, still filled with grief, still with his own sin within, because he sought God where he would not be found. Who, the psalmist says, 
shall ascend to the hill of the Lord. Who, he asks, will stand in his holy place? And then he answers and he says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So what would our Advent prayer be? But come down, O Lord, I can't ascend to thee unless thou comest first to me. Come down and take my sin out of my hands and wash them clean. In the blood of the Lamb, come down to me, O Lord, and make my heart pure within because of the work of my Lord Jesus Christ, that I might then in, in his holiness and in his strength and in his righteousness ascend onto your holy mountain and stand in your holy place. That's why Christ came down to be the sin bearer and the cross bearer that we might be the bearers of everlasting life. I came down from heaven, Jesus says, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. That's why he came. And that's why he still graciously comes to us today in his word and in his sacraments to bring us individually, to bring us personally all of the benefits and all the blessings that he accomplished and won for us upon the cross. Come down, O Lord, we pray. Come down right now and he comes. Even as we bid him come, come down to me through your word that we hear, connected to baptismal water in which we and our children are washed. Come down to me and mine right now through the word proclaimed and reclaim me and cleanse me and keep me as your own. Come down, O Lord, today through your mighty word and forgive me and feed me. And with that divine and holy food, strengthen me with your very body and your very blood connected with consecrated bread and wine, come down and make me and keep me thine forever. Come down today, O Lord, come down, and he does. And that, my friends, is what we all need to be thinking of in these coming days of Advent. Come down, Lord, prepare me with thy word that I might rightly celebrate thy coming in grace to me now and be prepared then by thy grace for thy coming in power and in glory at the end of time. God grant that Advent prayer to us all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.